Hello and welcome to the EduPunks podcast. This is your host, Craig Biderman. We're bringing you an extra episode this weekend. This is from our conversation with Vince Felak that we had when we were in Wisconsin a couple weeks ago over Christmas break. This was actually done on Christmas Eve. So yeah, there you go. Some 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 insider baseball for for all y'all. Uh, I know Vince loves his baseball. Maybe we'll share a picture of his big uh, bobblehead collection that he has in his office in Oshkosh, Wisconsin. This special episode focuses on the topic of fake news and how to approach it from a journalist's perspective. And honestly, it's a really a uh, fascinating conversation. Vince gets into a lot of stuff. Katie and I try to ask him some of the the basic but what if kind of questions or uh, a lot of the the stuff that keeps going around these days and Vince kind of gives some really solid answers to all of those. And so we hope you enjoy this quick episode. I'm, I'm going to give it to you uh, uninterrupted. It's just about 25 minutes long. And then at the end, we'll wrap it up with a little bit of music from Hikes, uh, which... Uh, comes to you courtesy of uh, Community Records. And yeah, next week we'll be back with a kind of a um, different uh, type of episode, but I'm excited for you to hear that as well. And yeah, that's what I got. And I hope you enjoy the rest of this conversation with Vince. Again, please subscribe, rate, and review in the iTunes Store, Google Play Store. That'd be really helpful for us. Do you think it's different at all with the, uh, I mean, obviously we have the part of <laughs> the part of our political climate where if somebody says something wrong, a bunch of people will jump on it. But then we also have people who are like blatantly lying and saying yeah. crazy stuff well, all the time and not getting held accountable for it at all. I think that's one of the things that I, I, I try to do. You know, the thing is, there is such a thing as fake news. But it's not what people think it is. What fake news basically is are things that are factually incorrect. You know, mm-hmm. the moon is made of green cheese. That's fake news. That doesn't – that's not real. Whereas, um, you know, just because you don't like something doesn't mean it's fake news. If a study comes out that says something that um, is provable and yet goes against your particular mm-hmm. political, social, in, whatever vantage point – you can't just call it fake news. You can go after it and look and see what the reality of that is. But it's like, um, you know, a lot of times people will cherry pick a study or cherry pick an idea and they'll, they'll you know, try to make it something that's not. I guess the question I always ask is, says who? Where did you get this from? It's, it's like, um, you know, my kid would come home from school when she was in grade school and she'd be like, the teachers got fired today. And it's like, where did you get that from? And it's always that one kid on the playground who swears to God that, you know, like, you know, like, you know, Kanye's cousin used their bathroom once or something. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, Drake was going to perform at their birthday party. Yeah. But, you know, yeah. you know, he just got called away at the last minute. It's like, yeah. me too. Yeah, the, exactly. So there's always that kind of full of crap kid who, you know. So but if the principal like has issued a letter and she pulls it out and says, this is why my teacher got fired. And you open it up and it's like, OK, these teachers got fired. You're like, wow, OK. That's a legitimate source. So I think getting into being able to try to teach people source work and trying to – I'm paranoid and I'm suspect. Those are two things that I've always been. I'm always like, you know, eh, 
where'd you hear that from? Or where'd you get that from? And I'm also paranoid that something's going to be wrong. So I'm always in, in dig mode of, of that and trying to teach that to other people. So again, trying to teach the difference between opinion and fact has become a lot more difficult than I would have imagined yeah. it to be. <laughs> and I, I'm, I'm having a hard time trying to understand how it is that we got here. But I think it came down to the idea that we never wanted to tell people certain things were factually incorrect. And I break that away from being wrong in the sense of that's a value judgment. So in other words, when I was joking with you earlier about being a runner, you know, I'm like, that's just wrong. Well, yeah. You know, that's a joke and it's obviously, you know, yeah. but th- there are things that are factually incorrect. Mm-hmm. Like if you said, well, you know, if I run 10 miles, my teeth turn to gold. Mm-hmm. Well, that's factually incorrect that doesn't work go ahead give it a shot let me know if you show up in a picture with a girl i'll be really impressed (laughs) but the the idea being that um you think about factually incorrect statements uh and you think about how it is that you can prove or disprove something you know so it's less about and we've really kind of started blurring that line in sports communication in political communication and social communication in a way in which the opinion weaves itself into what has been factually accurate to a point, and then it becomes this sense of, okay, well, that's got to be right. Or, again, where did you get that from? You know, if you tell me that there is a you know a lockdown on your campus or something, where'd you hear that from? Well, here's the text alert that I got from the police department. Okay, now I know and I can place value on that. But a lot of times it's like, well, I think I heard it somewhere. Well, that's not good enough. You know, you can't just, well, you know, somebody told me that somewhere. Again, it's like the kid on the playground. What happens when it's like the president? (laughs) That's harder because. We're just like in a weird spot right now. We are. And I think the hardest part is trying to say that, you know, people have often said you're entitled to your own opinion, but you're not entitled to your own facts. And we've gone so far beyond that now where not only do people feel like they're entitled to their own facts, but they they feel entitled to tell you that whatever facts that you try to demonstrate to them as being facts are wrong because they don't believe it. Mm -hmm. And there have always been issues in which people disagreed on varying grounds, uh, it could be faith grounds, it could be moral grounds, it could be social grounds, it could be any kind of, but there's a disagreement. But at the end of the day, there were factual undertones that could at least start us on a discussion of something. Whereas now, the whole concept of a factual basis is like you're trying to build a house on the sand. It doesn't work. You have no, there's no understanding of what fact is you know how do i know what blue is to you is blue to me well you used to be able to go to the crayon box and look and say there you go you know Mm -hmm. it's it's at least that but now we don't even have you know the old water is wet sky is blue level of fact agreement Mm -hmm. so not after that video that went viral this week about that guy explaining how water isn't wet yeah that was amazing i get it it's not wet. wet. Well, and you've got you, know, you got you know athletes telling you that the the you know the the earth is flat yep. and stuff. And you you know, I think in some cases you wonder why people are having the arguments that they're having about things that we should have like at least had a common sense of understanding about. Yeah, you know. That's- why I think we're in such a weird spot that there are so many things that I was like I thought this was I thought this was agreed settled. upon. Yeah. I thought, and I thought we, we said this. this out. <laughs> well, and I don't have a problem with people trying to revolutionize a thought process. Otherwise, we wouldn't have some of the advancements that we have in society. That being said, that's not what's really happening. 
Okay. It's not that we all agreed on X. It's that, you know, X was settled. Because we, we could all agree, you know, for the longest time, people all agreed that the Earth was flat. We eventually had scientific method that disproved that, and we can move on. But what we don't have now is a sense of – it's almost like who's telling you something is more important than anything else. Mm-hmm. So if you were to give me information from a source that I spend all of my time listening to and, you know, I believe everything they say no matter what – I'll believe it. But if you give me that same information from another source that's not that individual, a lot of people have been trained to not believe it. Yeah. Or if you disguise the information that they wouldn't believe from another source under the guise of the source that they do believe. Right. Like people would there is there's been a bunch of people who've done like um, if you do the ACA, like the mm-hmm. yeah. Obamacare stuff. Yeah. If you um, call it Obamacare, they hate it. If you call it the ACA, they actually yeah, like they it. it. You know. They're like, oh, I, I love that. And it, it's just so amazing to me how that sort of confusion and um, just just, just uh, really uh, a loss of trust. Yeah. Well, we used to facts. we used to try to communicate – to clarify and we used to try to communicate to improve understanding now in a lot of cases we communicate to win mm-hmm. or to defeat or to obfuscate mm-hmm. another point of view and i think that that's a problem um and a lot of cases people keep feeling the need to you know kind of dig in where really what is this really uh, my friend Alice and I always used to say is this the hill you want to die on mm-hmm. you know really is this you know is this the, you know I have a big belief that says like when it comes to giving out information I try my best to be as accurate as possible if I find out that I'm wrong I want to fix it mm-hmm. um, and if I find out that you know I'm missing something I want to know what that is to improve it but I think in a lot of cases there are people that you know, want to obfuscate, and they, or they also want to just circle until you make a mistake, and they pounce. Yeah. And you know, I'm sure that I'm not right on a lot of stuff, but my goal is then, okay, tell me why I'm not right, tell me how to improve it, and tell me how to make it better. Yeah. What and with everything that, that Katie's brought up that you guys have been talking about here, what do you kind of see the role of journalists being right now, especially with? With a president that insists on not telling truths or telling alternative truths, yeah. alternative <laughs> facts, uh, an administration that does the same thing, how do how should like we? I've been the watching the same time everybody's leaking everything. And I've yeah. been watching the press corps videos, and there are lots of journalists who are challenging this stuff, but it seems pretty tough right now. I think the challenging aspect is a lot more evident than it used to be. I think you go through cycles of this. Um, If you go back and watch some of the later Nixonian press coverage, and I'm not equating presidents or anything like that, Mm -hmm. I'm just saying in terms of the the mood in the room, um, there was very clearly a dynamic of us versus them. You know, Nixon Mm -hmm. made a couple of comments about how, like, how can I, you know, he said something or other about, like, you know, how... I can't remember what the line was, but it was something about like, you know, you, you don't, how can you, you know, trust somebody you don't respect or something is like, and it's very clear, like he was making this crack at the press of like, 
I don't respect you at all. Mm-hmm. So, and the press was pushing back on him. So, in in this kind and of they case, knew. yeah, they, they, you know, it wasn't it wasn't hidden. No, and that's the same thing where you see some of these other things. But you look in like the Reagan era. I mean, it was a lot more of a cozy environment there. Mm-hmm. So you had kind of a president who was more open with the press. Now he wasn't entirely open, but the idea being that it was less, you know, antagonistic. I think the role of the press is the role of the media in general is to this. Lay out reality for people, correct the record when you see things are wrong, and demonstrate that you should be a source of trustable information. Mm-hmm. You don't I mean somebody might listen to this podcast and, and listen to me for however long we've been doing this and say, This guy's an idiot. Mm-hmm. Okay, fine. You know, that's that's fine by me. You know, go listen to, you know, what you, th- you know, figure out that you don't agree with me on certain things or that you can find other sources that tell you certain things. That's fine. But the idea is that I've laid out information and I'm open to the idea that, that some of it might not be exactly what other people want to hear. And I'm also open to the idea that people might look at this and find some error in what I have said or done. That's fine. But you do your best to put your best foot forward and you get the information out. And at the end of the day, that's the goal. Put the information out there, challenge the erroneous assumptions. And I think for the longest time it was, we made the the false equivalency of being fair, saying, I got to get side A and I got to get side B. Well, the, the longest time is we just put them out there and said, you guys figure this out. Well, unfortunately, there's so many people saying that. And there's so many other people who are saying, B, which is completely erroneous, has got to be right, and we're going to push this on you, that I think the media's job now is to say, okay, this is how come B is putting this out here, but here are the five things that will support the fact that B is wrong. You know, you you can't just, you know, well, I heard it from somebody, you know, you're a vampire, I heard it from somebody, so, you know, we'll have to report that. No, it doesn't work that way anymore. I think that neutrality aspect of of understanding is important in that as a reporter I should go into every story with the idea that I can learn something and but at the same point in time that doesn't mean that I get snowed in yeah. you know that you you kind of fake me out of my shoes do with with that do you find that what, or what kind of um, what kind of response do you see with folks who are willing to kind of denounce, like, they'll, they'll denounce one segment of the mainstream media, mm-hmm. but then completely consume another aspect of the mainstream media mm-hmm. as if it were something that's completely indisputable, when all of it really is. Like, anyone doing any sort of reporting, mm-hmm. anyone doing any sort of, like, um, sharing of information mm-hmm. is of a media right. source, and people will still try to hold one source above another. Yeah, I, even if those sources aren't tested. I see that a lot in terms of pushback when it comes to people who don't want to have a conversation; they just want to be affirmed, mm. and that happens throughout the spectrum of all sorts of issues where you can't make a statement that in any way will um, challenge their worldview or even if you're not trying to challenge their worldview you're trying to say but I want to express this point of view and if somebody looks at that and it doesn't fit it perfectly in their little bullseye of how they view things it's somehow you're bad this is wrong you're 
creating some sort of something or other, or you're a snowflake, you can't handle this thing, blah, 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 or we've been, you know, denied so long that you can't possibly, or you can't possibly understand. And I think that in a lot of ways, that explosion approach it limits the discussion of, at the end of the day, I might not agree with you, but you might teach me something, or I can at least see your point of view, even if I don't agree with your point of view. I can understand something without affirming it. And I think that those are things where, in a lot of cases, people have gotten so entrenched in the idea of like almost like like wounded animals. Like you can't come within a zone without them wanting to attack, yeah. and and that becomes really difficult and really problematic. And when you're trying to really get into facts and maybe even a little deeper truth, mm-hmm. so. But it's interesting you say that because we watch we watch Adam ruins everything. Mm-hmm. It's one of our favorite shows. And they brought, they had an entire episode about what it's like, how your brain reacts to someone basically disproving what you believe. Mm-hmm. And we have a flight or flight response to that. Yeah. Like we don't know how to react to it. So we get primal mm-hmm. and we get angry about it and we don't like that. Right. And it's, it's a complete animal instinct to deflect the things that are against what we believe and and the, the <laughs> level of the belief is even or the or the the um the intrinsic nature of what that is mm-hmm. so if you know you and i are having an argument about you know you know undergrad or something like that and i'm you know i'm pulling for you know university of wisconsin you're pulling for oregon state mm-hmm. okay now at some level like Neither one of us are out on the field doing anything at this no, point. No. <laughs> but, you know, we, it, it can be, you know, I can disprove to you that, you know, I can prove to you that maybe the Badgers had a better year in whatever sport than, than the yeah. Beavers did. Okay. And at that point, you're kind of like, God, okay, whatever. You don't have a flight or flight response. But if for somehow we get into something that is so intrinsic to you yeah. that, you know, when people – would say to my mother, I mean, I always joke that if you wanted to find yourself getting murdered by, you know, a septuagenarian, just go to my mother and say, you know, those who can't do just teach, you know, (laughs) and like, I mean, that would create like feral mom, I'm sure, because, you know, being a teacher was so intrinsic to who she was. And it's still to who she is. She still subs like three, four times a week, even though she's retired. But that's, that's different. So I think, the problem that we have is that for so many people, so many things have become so intrinsic, even though in some cases we don't stop to ask if they should be. Yeah. Um, you know, I don't have a, a strong – I don't like politics in general. I don't have a strong party affiliation either way. Mm-hmm. I kind of vote wherever I think the best individual is, and I, I vote in the area where I think it fits – the interests of a broader whole. So, for example, like, um, I live in Amro, about 3,300 people, and my kid doesn't go to school there. Um, you know, she goes here to Lourdes. And, um, but when there's a ballot measure that says, you know, will you have your property taxes raised $9 to, you know, help fix the school, I look at it and I say, education's important. Mm-hmm. This is something that I can afford to do. And so, yeah, I'll check the yes box. I don't look at it as like, well, those damn teachers deserve, don't deserve blah, 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 blah. <laughs> or, well, I've already put my kids through, you know, people get mm-hmm. so, like, angry about mm-hmm. certain things. And I'm like, it, 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 for me, it's not that level, and I wonder to what degree it became that level because they made it so much about that thing. It's almost like I want to be right more than I want to be, you know, 
able to understand the reality of it. You know, I want to win. People have told me that they've cast votes or something because, well, I want to vote on the winning side. It's like, what, do you get a cookie? You know, like, yeah. mm-hmm. like I, I don't get, you know, I mean, if I'm in Vegas, I want to bet on the winning side, but mm-hmm. I don't want to, you know, I want to look at it and say, like, I've never been, a friend of mine used to say, I've never been ashamed of a single thing I did in a ballot, in, in, in a voting booth. And that's the same thing here. It's like, I've, there have been times in media where I've done things where it's like, I learned how not to do that again, but you never want to be ashamed of something that you've done or that, you know, that is so intrinsic to you that, like, you can't let go of it. And that's where I think a lot of problems happen. Um, even you, you look at the, the story, uh, UVA story that ran in Rolling Stone, A Rape on Campus. She was so into that story that she didn't do the journalism the right way in order to get what was the narrative thread, which was the Jackie character, um, nailed down more in terms of the reality. She had everything else. That story was factually accurate in so many other ways, but that one narrative thread, it was like, I'm so convinced that this has got to be the way this is going to be that I don't look to the left or I don't look to the right. I'm just very myopic. And that then created more harm than good when the pieces started falling off this thing and it kind of went into disaster mode. And then it becomes something that hurts what it was that you were trying to help. And that's even worse in journalism is like, I was trying to do something good. And not only did I not do something good, I did something that will continue to harm it in a way that will make it worse. So, you know, there, there are many... That particular story has affected a lot of journalism. Yeah, it has. Um, and it's also affected yeah. a lot of people who, you know, again, are able to kind of hold this up as, okay, you know, th- whenever somebody can wave something in the air, it always looks more dramatic. And you can see people waving this in the air as, well... Now the whole idea is wrong, mm-hmm. not just one reporter went off the rails with one story that went bad in one way. Now it's endemic. Now we can't believe mm-hmm. any of these stories. Exactly. Yeah, and that, and that's, that's basically, problem, and that's what, what I... We do. Exactly, <laughs> and that's where, you know, as a journalist, you know, sometimes I say to the students, I'm like, sometimes the story's not there. Or sometimes the story's there, but it's not the way that you want to tell that story, you have to be able, and that's the difference between, say, fiction writing or playwriting or or any other kind of writing that isn't rooted in journalism and journalism. Mm -hmm. At the end of the day, uh, one of my students wrote a great piece. He'd followed around this family that a little girl was born with a hole in her heart. She had Down syndrome. She had a hole in her heart. They fundraised to get this girl this, this surgery. And at the end, after the surgery and everything, the girl lived a little bit longer than she died. And it wrecked him because he was of that American dream mode of and, and in journalism it's like like every story you know you know you know Gary, Gary Cooper rides off into the sunset with Grace Kelly you know it's like that moment of like John Wayne faces down the bad guys it's oh you know mm-hmm. you know you, you think about all those things where it's like at the end you win because that's the way the story has to end well in journalism it doesn't always end that way sometimes mm-hmm. there is somebody who dies that you think oh my God how did they die or you think. Um, you know, somebody who I'll watch those stories that they do that are journalistically based of uh, certain drug users and things like that. And they've been clean for like six months and they're getting their lives together. And then like they show you a shot at the end that's just a black screen that says like, you know, six weeks later she died of a heroin overdose. And you're like, what the hell? How yeah. did that happen? Yeah. And you're like, no, that's not the, you know, that, that moment of where the story that so, I want. <laughs> yeah. And so, but in journalism, you got to tell the story that's there, not the story that you want, mm-hmm. you know? And again, 
it, it would be so much better for so many people in some ways in their own minds if they can tell the story that they want to tell, not the story that's real. And that's where I think a lot of the bubbles form. And I think that's where a lot of the problems come in. All right, thanks for tuning into this extra episode of the EduPunks podcast. Hope you really enjoyed this wrap up on uh, fake news. Uh, we'll be back on Wednesday with a new episode, uh, and I cannot wait for you to hear it. it. Should be a lot of fun. And until then, just enjoy these these tunes from Hikes, which you can get their album at hikes.bandcamp.com or at communityrecords.org. Until next week, let's get to work. Sunday when grandfather drew faces on the air.